This is Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul, and the new year is heading our way, which means what, Paul? Bubbles. I was going to say lopsided football games, but you know, you're right. Bubbles are way (laughs) more fun. I'm Rick Cushman. And I'm Paul Wagner. This is Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul, and today we're talking about all the great bubbly out there and why it is such a joy. Plus, we'll have Hank Beal in the studio. He runs one of the best supermarket wine departments in California. And of course, we have listener questions, and as usual, we will make fun of wine snobs. Stay with us. You're listening to Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul, and today it's all about the bubbles, because sparkling wine is sexy and exciting and luxurious, kind of like us. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) When was the last time anybody said that about us? Yeah, that's true. All right. But it is also, (laughs) never mind that point, but bubbly is also the universal symbol of celebration, and we are celebratory guys, if nothing else. And because we are such celebratory and exciting guys, we're going to start by clarifying terms. And doesn't that sound like fun? But we are just going to do it very quickly about the difference or why we keep saying sparkling wine and not just champagne. So this was explained to me one day as I was changing a bicycle tire in the town of Napa. I'm a fanatic cyclist, as you know. I'm riding my bike along, and all of a sudden I got a flat tire. I pull over to the side of the road, and I'm sitting there. You know, I got the tire off, and I'm doing this and doing that. And two little 10-year-old girls come walking by on their way to the local park. And one is saying to the other, you know, you can't call it champagne unless it comes from a very specific part of France. Otherwise, you have to call it sparkling wine. And I thought, you know what? Public education in California schools is way better than I thought it was. Absolutely. And, of course, these were they carrying a bottle of wine? With they them? were not carrying oh, a bottle okay. of wine. It seemed like they had a, a jump rope or something I in their hands. I love the image. You know, and, and the truth, in, in Europe, of course, that will never happen because in Europe, they have, in essence, copyright laws that apply to wine and food and all sorts of things. Right. Cheeses as well. That the regions are brand names. So the yes. region of Champagne is the brand name. In the U.S., although— we have signed some trade agreements, so new newer wineries can't. Um, many many wineries can call wine uh, sparkling wine champagne if they want. The thing is, the better ones don't. Partly because they're either owned by European companies or just because they know they better. They respect them. So here's the ironic thing: is that it's the cheap wine, the really bad stuff that uh, that better belongs to the kid going to a prom that may say from America that may say champagne on it. Yeah, except that kids going to proms can't drink champagne, Rick. They're not um, 21. Um, these these were held back. These were kids who were held back. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, these, are your, I, these are your model students, that's right? Exactly. Anyway, these aren't I'm, these kids I, from Napa, because the kids from Napa no, would know right kids, off the bat. No, those kids. Those, yeah, well, yeah. And my, it is important to note that it is legal to call champagne champagne if it comes from champagne. champagne absolutely. Yeah. Right. And so anyway, my, my point right. being there is if you do see an American-made wine and it is called champagne on the label. It's probably it's not probably be the best. probably pretty inexpensive stuff. Right, yeah. right, right. But, but that is not to say that champagne is better than other sparkling wines because there are, in fact, fabulous sparkling wines made in lots of different places there are, all over we'll the world. We'll get to that in a second, but I want to yeah. talk about the part of it that, for me, is just the most fun, which is getting it open, opening uh-huh. a bottle of champagne. And now there's the right and the wrong, you know? Yes, uh, there and, is. And the wrong is... Well, I'll no, tell you. I'll it, tell you. Any way that doesn't involve a towel 
is the wrong way to open champagne. Well, that's, that's you know, so you snap it, you snap a towel at the bottle of wine, <laughs> it, 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 it scoots across the you gym. You put the towel over your yeah. head, yeah. and then you no. Right. The, yeah. And and the you know this the the, the San Francisco Giants just won the World Series. They're firing oh, that champagne, yeah. and you know, uh, go Giants. And you know what's funny but, is, is sparkling wine houses spend a lot of money to try to get their wines displayed in that way, and then what do those guys do? They spray them all over yeah. each other and, as if they and were then they brag bad about beer. It, actually. And then they brag. Yeah, about and it. you know, I I. I yeah. I, I did an event not so yeah. long ago um, for a, a guy who is a huge Giants fan, and he uh-huh. wanted me to find that champagne, which is not hard to do because it's out there. You know, right. easy. It's a, it's uh, the Mums Brut Prestige. Yeah, they, yeah uh, it's a classic. Easy, easy to find. Yeah. Um, which and, is not, in fact, champagne. No, it is not. It is sparkling um, wine. But but firing the cork out of the bottle is not a good thing for many reasons, unless you are in a cork war, and then that's a whole different dirt thing. Clods. Dirt that clods. That gets back to yeah. dirt clods. Yeah. I think we already talked about we that did. in the show. Yes. Uh, yeah. No, but, there's a simple rule to opening a bottle of bubbly, and it's put a t- towel over the top of the bottle. After you do that, everything else is easy. Take the capsule off. You know, it's got the little wire cage in there, and the little wire cage always has a little loop. Turn it. By the way, if you want to win a bar bet, six Six turns. Six turns, right. counterclockwise. Yep. Took, 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 took. Loosen that cage, but while you're doing that, you've already got the towel over the bottle. Whatever happens, the cork may blow out of that bottle, but if it does, it won't carry the towel very far. Nobody loses an eye. You don't look like an idiot. Yeah, this, yeah and then, you know, plus— you, And then the other thing the towel the, does, yeah. the other thing the towel does is once you get the, that cage off, Leave the wire cage there. It helps you grip the cork. Leave the towel there. It helps you grip the cork. Then you can slowly. Very slowly. Sw- and, you know, the old rule is you're supposed to turn the bottle, not the cork. I'm sorry, but when you go to a physics class, they tell you if the bottle and cork are rotating against each other, it's relative motion. But you just very gently rotate it and allow the pressure to ease the cork out of the bottle. As long as that towel is in place, you will be okay. Relative motion. I thought I'm we weren't going to talk about physics. stuff like that. Yeah, it's physics. Yeah, it's true. And so you want to pull it out, and especially right at the end, just kind of hold it there for a second and let it come out as slowly as possible. Like as a it... nun passing gas. Yes. Okay. You you said that. I did. Well, I'm sorry. That's there... the noise it's supposed to make. And it's true. There is another way to do it. In fact, you and I. Oh, are there are lots of ways. One of our master sommelier friends who is doing one of it. my at my uh, my parents' fiftieth wedding anniversary celebration. The caterer had taken all the wire cages off the bottles mm. and left the bottles in the sun. That's one way to do it. <laughs> Self opening bottles it was pretty much like watching the fireworks after a home run. It's a Giants you know, game. It's uh, <laughs> you know since since we're heading for New Year's Eve, if you do that, you might be able to um, you might be able to actually have it play a song for you. Unbelievable. Yeah. Well, um, no, it is the saber method. Yes, the saber method. Do, uh, we want to say, for the record, just for the same reason you should not take medical advice from me, you should not do this at home. Don't do this at home. But you can open it with a saber. We, yeah. We've had a, we were together when one of our friends did that, which is basically you just hold it out in front of you, and you take the saber and run it. Point it at someone you really, really, yes. really don't like. Uh, we shouldn't even tell you this, but, and we're going to anyway. So you, and you basically <laughs> run, the, you run the saber along the along the neck of the bottle, so the saber will then catch. Well, actually, better than that, you're theoretically supposed to find the line in the mold where oh, the glass, yeah. and you run it right up along the edge of the line, yeah. and you whack the top end, and it splatters champagne, and the top end. And the, of lose the, the bottle, too, top of the bottle, right. Top you of the lose, bottle, lose the some whole glass. thing splatters yes. everywhere. And yeah. it is. It is yeah. very showy. It, it's it, really stupid, it's in my opinion. Massively and, stupid. And here's here's the funny part. You know who invented that method of opening that? I'm afraid to ask. Well, you would think that it was a famous sommelier at a famous restaurant. 
Napoleon. It has to do with where champagne became most popular early on. Who was it that bought the Brits? Before that, the Russians. Ah. And before the before the Brits, the Russians bought tons of sparkling. We still do, but they buy it from like uh, Georgia, for example. Right. Um, and the Cossacks, the mounted troops of the Russian Tsar, would ride their horses into the palace. Yes, literally indoors, and they would whack the open bottles, the bottles open with their sabers because they didn't want to wait for a glass, and mm. then they drank it straight from the bottle. Wasn't exactly the elegant ceremony that we um, we treasure today. Yeah, the Cossacks were whacking a few other things with their sabers too, so <laughs> right. it doesn't. Yeah, it does. when all you've got is a saber, everything looks uh, like I it needs there whacking. You go. <laughs> there you go. All right. But, uh, all boy, right. have we, you know, we started with champagne no, and it's now actually, we're whacking people yes, with sabers. We're talking about the elegant joy of, of great champagne. <laughs> We've got a bloodbath going on here. <laughs> right. All right. So we're going to try to rest this back towards something that actually makes some sense. You were talking about it comes from so many great regions. Yes. That, and sparkling wine comes in, in, in many different yes. names, many different styles. Yes. Um, I will actually want to bring up a, a region that makes champagne style wines. And see, one of the things that changes is that the grapes aren't necessarily the grapes that they make wine out of and champagne, which is right. tends to be champagne, Pinot Noir, Pinot Meunier. Those are the sort of the base grapes right. for champagne Chardonnay. style wines. Yeah. Chardonnay. Chardonnay. Chardonnay, Pinot Noir, Pinot, Pinot, Noir, Pinot, Pinot Meunier. Meunier. Yeah, yeah, right, right. What did yeah. I say? Um, you said champagne. Cham- well, that would and be. And it is true that yeah. they make champagne from uh, champagne. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but no. And in champagne. Yeah, we're not getting. We're never mind. <laughs> anyway, my point being, <laughs> those three fun. What is your point, grapes. Rick? So all around the world, people make different wines from different kinds of grapes, yes. and often they could be named after the grape, or they have their own fanciful names. Yep. But um, I was recently introduced to a region I have now fallen in love with, which is Franciacorta in uh, Italy. In Italy. And yep. they make, the and what wines, I love about this region the best is they sparkling wines in Italy. I will absolutely agree with that, and it is um, so they make champagne style wines as well, same grapes. The only difference is it's a slightly bit warmer there, a little warmer. So there's just yep. a slight, it's a slightly bit more fruit in these yep. beautiful, beautiful wines. Yep. I just, I have to say, you know, I've, having been on some wine trips in my life, I don't know that I've ever been on a better one because every yep. wine we tasted was delicious, was delicious, yep. absolutely. Yep. So plus so, you're drinking bubbly all day long, yeah, so it could it be worse. Doesn't wear you out. Could so if worse. you ever run across Franciacorta, another place where the wine is named after the region, so the yep. wine is called Franciacorta, yep. that's one. You know, there's Prosecco, there's Sac, there's, you know, you name it. So yep. and sp- There's wonderful sparkling, I mean, I'm sorry, California sparkling yeah. wines are some of the greatest wines in the world. Absolutely. Lovely stuff. Absolutely. You know, and, and so those are, you know, there's, there's many, 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 many good sparkling wines out there. Yep. But as we talked about, different names. Um, one of the other things that we actually think we should run through very quickly is that the, because this can be a little bit confusing, is the name on the label that tells you something about what the wine will taste like. And it's it's a little confusing, and the reason why is because extra dry you have you to be think, able to read. Oh, oh, see, this is my problem. Seriously, extra dry is not what it sounds like. Is actually in That's the sweeter right. end of the the of so, the current cross section of sparkling wines. Right. But let's go back to the Russians. Because Russians but love they have, they have sabers. I'm not going by really, really sweet sparkling wine. So when they were buying sparkling wine, extra dry for a Russian is really dry. 
Ah. And when you compare it to what the Russians were drinking, it's still dry. But we, the, the dry wines that people make in the sparkling wine regions of the world today are called things like Brut right. or we, Natural. The, this is the driest version. And in American stores, you'll find this easily, which is Extra Brut or Brut Natural. Or, br yeah. or, or Brut Zero or Zero Dosage. I mean, yep. There's a bunch of those. Yep. And then the next level, which is the most common, is Brut. Because of Joe Namath. Because Joe Namath used to sell uh, yeah, I the got brute you. aftershave, yeah, after, right? Aftershave. Yeah. It just, yeah, thank yeah. goodness it does not taste like Joe Namath. Um, <laughs> or smell like or brute. Smell like brute. Yeah. So <laughs> brute is a pretty common one, and that is yes. your fundamentally dry champagne Absolutely that we're we used to. Yeah, yep. could, be, could be quite dry, although yep. there is a range. And then there is extra dry, which yeah. is only because there's dry. Right. So, so in, That's right. So driest is extra brute, then there's brute, then extra dry already is in the sweet category. It's slightly sweet. It's, it's slightly sweet. slightly sweet. Well, it could have as much, I think it's 12 to 20 grams of sugar. Uh, yeah. Is yeah. that 25? So, it, I mean, yeah. it could be kind of sweet. So, and, and by the way, there, in many regions, there are not specific regulations about what you call it. Mm. You know, if you call it extra dry, it means it's sweeter than your brute, but it's not as if you absolutely have to guarantee a certain sweetness level. So the thing to know is if you are looking for a slightly sweet sparkling wine, because lots of people love that, extra, extra dry, dry is your wine. Ironically, if you're yes. looking for slightly sweet, extra, extra dry, dry is the And way if to you go. are looking not for sweet, brute or extra brute. And yeah. then beyond that, there's dry or sec, it's the same thing, or demi sec, which is pretty darn sweet. Or do. Which or do really yeah, yeah, yeah. so, but those are really the ones that you're going to see are those first three extra brute or some one of those things that mean that or brute. Really, the thing to remember if it's just brute, it's the second category of the one you know the most. All those other words with brute generally mean it's really brute, right? <laughs> um, so if that's anything, now <laughs> boy, is that clear? Are we clear? I don't no, think so. No. I think that All was. Right. If you're not sure, <clears throat> call Paul. <laughs> 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 all right. That's right. That's 707. He'll, he'll tell you. That's 555. That's right. The Hollywood number, if anybody doesn't know that. Uh, and the other thing uh, that is sort of fun about uh, uh, sparkling wine is the glasses. Yes. You, you have to wear special glasses when you drink You do, so you can find your bottle. <laughs> and you don't pay 37 dollars for right. it. That's right. That's another show. That's <laughs> Well, wait, we, we amuse ourselves way too much with inside jokes. Our apologies. That's very wine world. But the glasses are different. Now, the, 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 the 1960s Mad Men glasses. The open cups. The open cups. Yes, the, the, the sorbet cups. The sorbet cups. Yeah, those were right. allegedly fashioned after Marie Antoinette's breasts. Yes, actually after her left breast. After her left breast. Yes. I did not know that. Well, who well, knows? Yeah. I'm not so, sure there are anybody alive who could verify that, but there you go. That's right. the legend. And that's what mad men, that's what they're drinking. Right. But the downside to those is that all the bubbles go away. Boom. Yeah. It is a really good way of getting rid of most of the bubbles yeah. in a glass of and, bubbly. And, we like the, and then the flutes, any kinds of flutes, they make the wine so pretty. Mm -hmm. So pretty. Yeah. And really, if when in doubt, get flutes, any kind of flutes, just because they're Although very pretty. Although the truth is, you know, the, these days, any... Small Any, but, white wine glass will would, work just fine for bubbling. I was headed that good. direction. Well, you didn't get there in time. I Darn got there ahead of you. To fine, fine. <laughs> and you're like that with the food line, too. You're always ahead of me. Like, <laughs> so when you drink bubbly at your house, you have flutes? We have flutes. It absolutely depends on the situation. If we're just sitting around, we actually have some very narrow uh, white wine glasses we drink it out of that. Uh -huh. yeah. And my wife loves bubbly. 
My yep. wife was well. In fact, I need to tell a quick bubbly story about my wife because mm-hmm. um, when our very first alcohol date, you know, you, you hang out, you have smoothies or something. The next date was a, it was the middle of the. How old were you when not you were so taking your ago. wife out? This that you're was, having we were, smoothies. We were, your... Well, you know, I, okay. I didn't want to scare. Okay. Because we've we've been married eleven years, so it's not like it was that long ago. <laughs> but uh, we and so you know, it was a warm, you know, eighty degree Sacramento afternoon, sitting on the river, and it's exactly beer weather. And yeah. my wife gets a glass of it. It was champagne, a glass of a very nice champagne. And, and think, you knew and, she was out of your class. Well, I knew that right away, but I also knew she wasn't going to be cheap. <laughs> Which I think That's is absolutely right. fair, considering the fact that you know she was going beneath her to hang That's out with right. me. That's I should right. at least have to pay for the privilege. Her, you're at least going to pay for yes. it. But the truth of it is, a glass of sparkling wine is always such a great thing yep. around anything. And um, so we do have a lot of sparkling wine in our house, and we do drink out of the white glasses or the tulip glasses, which are l- right. love that. So don't don't sweat it if you don't have flutes and you've got more people than you have flutes. Uh, sparkling wine and anything. And in our house, we had a beautiful collection of fabulous flutes until the earthquake. Uh, And I now have two flutes left. These are flutes that fell from the 10-foot, the very top shelf in our 10-foot ceiling kitchen. And they fell down onto a tile counter and then onto the floor, and they did not break. When World War III is over... The these victors things, yeah. will be toasting each other with, with those these two, glasses? two yeah. flutes. But if we have a third person come to our house for bubbly, we're drinking out of the white wine glasses because well, our flutes are – they have flown. He had some pretty severe damage, although uh, it did eliminate a mud stain I put on his carpet. So <laughs> there's a plus side as far as I'm concerned. That's right. <laughs> All right. Oh, well, you know, sparkling wine is also great with food, which we will talk about a bit later in the show. But uh, for the moment, we will um, take some questions. This is Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul. Stay with us. You're listening to Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul, and it's time to open our mailbag and take questions from listeners. If you'd like to ask a question that we can answer on the show, or at least take a shot at it, go to rickandpaulwine.com. All one word, Rick and Paul Wine. And by the way, if you're new to us, you might want to know what qualifies us to be answering questions. I have no idea. <laughs> I don't either. I really don't. Well, let me tell you about Paul anyway. He has been around. <laughs> he is a respected industry pro, or he was until he started hanging out with me. Until I started doing yeah, this show. That didn't help you at all. Um, he answers questions on allexperts.com, teaches at places like Napa Valley College and the Culinary Institute of America, and um, is a very patient man because he hangs out with me. And I met Rick at a wine tasting at the Napa Valley Wine Auction, I believe, and we started talking about wine. And I had wanted to meet him because he was uh, he had written a book about Barefoot that was a New York Times bestseller in the wine industry, a uh, longtime journalist. And now I judge for him at the California State Fair where he is the chief judge. You, and I swear he wears Bermuda shorts under that robe. Yeah, and, you know, he, he just wanted to meet me because he, he knew that I was the charming, sexy guy whose voice he heard on the radio. The, and th- thought, the rich, suave, and lively. Yes, that was it. All right. All right. Uh, let's let's do something that's actually useful to somebody. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Why start now? <laughs> Very good point. We got this question a while back, but I was saving it for this show. It's from Sarah Stanley in Paul's hometown of Napa. Excellent. And I like Sarah because I like the way she emailed this question. She says, my boyfriend and I have been arguing about this for a while. And and we've, we've let them argue now for some time yes, further, apparently. <laughs> I've probably broken up weeks. at this point. That's right. <laughs> Sorry, Sarah. But I liked, I was saving it for our New Year's Eve show. We want to know how many bubbles are in a bottle of good champagne. He says like 100,000. I say he's an idiot. <laughs> 
This is why I like Sarah. <laughs> she says there's got to be more than that. There's probably more than that in just a glass. My guess is 15 million. He's an idiot, right? <laughs> well, I think we can agree he's an idiot yeah. and move on to the next question. Yeah. Well, actually, there was a study on this not so long ago. Yeah. And so we are not going to comment on your boyfriend's level of idiotness. <laughs> Although, but, Sarah, you sound pretty bright, so he must be okay to try to keep up with you. But we're just feeling bad because we took so long to answer this. This was in the Journal of Physical Chemistry, my daily reading. Yeah, I'll you know, bet. Paul. What yeah. did you do? Find this somewhere on the I, I side of the there, road no, and you, pick it up? Yes. Yeah, it was somebody... Never mind. We don't, want, <laughs> we, don't, we don't want to go down that road either. But it was okay, a published good. study from the University of Rams Champagne Ardan. So this well, is, they would know. They University would know. of Rams Absolutely. is where they make champagne. And what they did was they, incidentally, they downgraded their estimate of the number of bubbles in a bottle. I'm shocked, I tell you. They, shocked. They used to think it was 10 million. Right. They, they're down to 5 million. So a million in a glass. What happened to the bubbles? Apparently, they're making it flatter these days. You know what happened. They started serving in those open glasses and all the bubbles disappeared. That's entirely possible. They did some study based on compression and uh, physics. We were talking physics. You know, this is just nuts. I like this. Because I'm sorry. I mean, the minute you open the bottle, bubbles start disappearing. The minute you pour it down your throat, there are bubbles inside. How do you count this stuff? This I say bogus. Uh, well, I say this is all invention. Well, I think what they did was they measured the pressure inside the bottle versus the volume versus the likelihood. But, of course, the size of the bubbles. Yeah, there keep is, talking. Keep talking. Is, talk faster. There's also, <laughs> there's also the study from the University of Mickey Mouse. <laughs> That's right. This is where they laid the wine out and counted, and counted all the, the little yeah. bubbles. That's right. I don't know. All I'm saying is when people ask, I am quoting this university because they're in champagne. It's, they're in champagne. That's it's, right. It and they should know. Good. Anyway, and so, Sarah, the odds are that you are right. That is far more than well, 100,000. she says 15 million. Yeah. I think it's certainly so more. So she's high, she's under. And if they're playing the prices right, she went too high and he wins, even with 100,000. Yeah, but she's sort of closer. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's not the way they play that game. Well, anyway, so, Sarah, your boyfriend's an idiot. We're moving on. <laughs> All right. Well, this one is timely. It's from Leonard Rhodes in Reading. He said, that's not a bad question. <laughs> like, like the other one was. I'm oh, sorry. Yeah. Yeah, this is good, right? This is a good question. Yeah, good, We've now offended all our is, both I, listeners. I really don't like champagne. I'm just mm. not a bubbles guy. But I like wine. So is there some other wine for a New Year's Eve toast? Yeah, You know, I wonder because one of the things I always ask myself is the people who say they don't really like bubbles, they don't like champagne, and then you ask them, do you drink beer? Do you drink soda? Is it really bubbles that bother you? Do you drink sparkling water? And if you really just don't like bubbles, I mean, the answer is yes, there are any number of wines you can drink as a toast. But I wonder if they're really being straight with us when they say, Leonard Rhodes in Reading, I'm calling you out. I think you're not being straight with us. I think you drink beer and you just don't want to drink champagne for other reasons. Yeah. Maybe what he means is it's not that he doesn't like the bubbles. It's yeah. what he doesn't like bubbly. He doesn't like sparkling wines. Right. Yeah. Fair so, enough. So, so he was using the short, shorthand they for that. They do come out your nose if you drink yeah. it too and fast. And I, I do know lots of folks that just don't like the wine. And so the answer is for a New Year's Eve toast, absolutely. Toast if you, with anything Actually, the you answer like. is if you don't like it, drink something else. Yeah. Yeah. That's and always the answer. It, it's completely – there's no other wines that are like, like traditional. And and by the way, when I got this question, because I, I didn't – I thought the answer was whatever you like. I actually sort of did a search to see if I could find some other traditional New Year's Eve wine. And D- did you check with the Journal of Living Chemistry or whatever yes, that was? They, they, they didn't s- have an answer? In cha- they said snails. snails. <laughs> they said toast with snails. No, they, they, uh, they said basically um, 
any any wine that uh, that works. Of course, they they're they're fine with that. So or, or, or what I could find. So so simply simply just. Um, do do anything that that you think you'd like to taste, and and you know one thing that's nice about New Year's is it's also a time to make resolutions and to make uh, to celebrate things. So you might drink a bottle of wine from an important vintage in your life. So you might toast if you've been married, say eleven years, Rick. You might, if your wife did not like champagne, you might toast her with a bottle of wine from eleven years ago and say, "Honey, this wine was made in the year that we got married," and that would be a good toast. She would say, "Why didn't you give me a good bottle of champagne?" She said, "Why don't you give me this old wine?" Yeah, she well, no, she, she wants that good champagne. So. <laughs> All, right. All right, we have another got another question. This one, this is actually a question from Tracy Strong in Sacramento, who has asked us the question earlier. So, Paul, we may have two loyal visitors, listeners. Wow, now. that's hard to imagine. I know. Heaven help them both. Really. <laughs> Tracy asks, are there some wines that are just better values? Uh, and what are the best uh, wine, best value wines? I bet not value wines, but wine values. She was yep. she's not looking for the cheapest wine. It sounds like she's looking for a good wine that's worth the price that you pay. Right. She's asking, and where? Um, you know, in California, internationally? Those are kind of huge questions. So I'm going to toss it to you, Paul, and let you take it. Well, thanks very much You're because, of course, welcome. now we have the opportunity to offend almost everyone in the world of wine if we do this right. I hope so. Um, no, wait a minute. They could sponsor us. Right. You're, you all rock. You all rock. <laughs> all wines are great values. Yes. Actually, they are, or people wouldn't buy them. Yeah. So I'm going to answer this the way that Tracy is asking it, which is she wants a de- she wants to drink something that tastes good, and she doesn't want to pay an arm and a leg for it. Right. And there are a couple of places where you can go pretty much regularly and get this. And I'm going to start, first of all, internationally. Yeah. Because I think the best value for money these days is Chile. Oh, yeah. And there's a reason for that. Because Chilean wines, when they first came to this country, they were introduced as being the least expensive, cheapest wines on the market. They were selling them for $1.99 a bottle. And, of course, everyone in America now thinks Chilean wines are cheap. Right. So they can't raise the price. They can't get the price up as high as they'd like it. And so they make really good wine, and they sell it for less money than if, if the same wine came from Napa or Sonoma or... Some of these other regions, it would cost more. So and, I say, number one, absolutely. try Chile. And Argentina's got something of the same problem, although they can they've gotten the price up some. Yep. Yeah, but that's yep. another. They have another same problem. Within California, I'd look for a couple of reason, regions that I think are are pretty good at this, and and it's they are premium wine growing regions. They get that same coastal influence that makes Napa so spectacular, but their prices aren't anywhere near as high as Napa. And I'd look at wines from Lake County, mm-hmm. Lodi, and Monterey. Yeah. And you know that you and I both really love Monterey for Chardonnay. Absolutely. We think it makes Absolutely. great, great wine. I think Monterey is one of the really great bargains or, you know, for value yeah. Chardonnay. Absolutely. Yeah. Or not value Chardonnay, but the Chardonnay values. Yeah. Completely agree. You know, there's a couple others that, that I was thinking of, too. County Classico, where I just was, so yes. now I can speak with some authority, is for, yes. for the really good Italian takes, wines. folks. Two days and he's an expert. I was there for five. <laughs> you know, well, four and a half because my flight was really late, but that's a good issue. Um, no, it's... Uh, <laughs> but but I actually always knew this, which was that you know for 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 odd reasons and a lot like Chile, where the because the price was down, the price stayed down. Right was that um, the uh, it, it's really for the value for the great Italian wines and great mm-hmm, European mm-hmm. wines. Um, yep. Yeah. And and another one I'm going to suggest because these are pretty easy to find in the U.S., which is um, Riojas. 
Uh-huh. Yep. You know, not necessarily the Grand Reservas. Right. But the, the but real Actually for the American palate, you're absolutely that's where right. I was going. Yeah, if yeah, yeah. you don't buy the reservas and the Grand Reservas, but if you just buy what they call the Joven, and that's with a J, J O V E N, those wines don't have as much oak. They're not as old. They are fresher, they're livelier, they're more fruit forward and yeah, tasty yeah. wines. And the other side of this formula is that, you know, places we, we you mentioned some really good wine valleys, but places like Lodi in the foothills and, and yep. Um, and uh, and Monterey, where you're not going to find really great prices in, is in the wineries that are pretty small, and the reason is because right. they can't afford to make wine for such a lower price. Right. right. And so and so it's always a surprise to people when they go to a very decent but small winery in one of those places, and the wines are all starting at twenty dollars or more. Right. They're not never going to be super high, but they're never going right. to be super low because those folks are making a couple hundred or a couple thousand cases. Yep. They just don't have the economies. Well, scale. but there's one one rule that you can think about: um, Mendocino mm-hmm. Lake. Monterey and Lodi, so MLML, right, two L's and two M's, all of those wine regions probably sell more grapes to big-name producers in Napa and Sonoma than they necessarily bottle of their own wine. Right. So it's not just we, your absolutely perfect and extremely knowledgeable wine hosts who are recommending this, but some of the best winemakers in California are recommending those wines by simply buying them and adding them into whatever it is they're making. Wait a minute, that was us? But that that's, was us. I thought somebody else, the way you were describing it. No, <laughs> that's not. Okay. I was wondering if you are paying attention. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, <laughs> I don't know. All right, well, before we get in any more trouble, that's it for questions for now. We will have more in the, uh, well, actually, we'll have maybe have more in the second half of the show. Uh, we are also have an interview coming up, so if you'd like to Great. ask a question that can we can answer on the show, maybe next week. Go to rickandpaulwine.com. Coming up, some bad wine writing from people who should know better. We'll be right back. You're listening to Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul. It's time once again for our regular attempt to make you wonder how some people continue to earn a living. It's a feature we call Really Horrible Wine Writing. Paul, what really horrible wine writing have you brought? I have the endless descriptor here. Pale gold with a green hue. Potent scents of pit fruit, nectar, seaweed, and smoky minerals. With sexy floral and mace notes adding complexity. Stains the palate with intense nectarine and pear flavors that are braced by a strong mineral quality. There's an intensity here that's really impressive, refuses to let go on the finish, which strongly echoes the anise and floral notes. You know, a lot of times I refuse to let go, too. It's, my it's, tongue, you know, I don't want to put my tongue anywhere near that wine. It's going to refuse to let go. Like seaweed? Seaweed and... and smoky yeah. minerals. I'm not yes. sure you get smoky minerals. Well, you smoke them. Yeah. Well, and one of the things I like, it says it echoes the anise and floral notes that were never mentioned until the yes, very last line. Yes, I love that. Don't you <laughs> right? love that? Yeah. Echoes what? So, so it's a new echo is what it it's is. It's a new it's echo. A, yeah, it's, it's sort of, the first echo. It's, yeah. It's uh, the echo, not and, the o. And I do also, yeah, there's some pit fruit nectar, too, because that just... Potent sense of pit you know, this is nectar. this is, and people get these. Uh, okay. Um, okay, what do you got? Mine, uh, and I had to actually look up uh, how to pronounce one of these words, because as you, although you have a... Uh, an okay French accent, I do not. 
my my wife would just be in hysterics to hear you say that. Well, see, I'm I'm a, I'm an easy audience. <laughs> fresh with plenty of croquant fruit, vibrant and fresh, good complexity and elegant, fresh and attractive, <laughs> clean and vibrant, dense, light, good intensity, nice direct acidity on the finish. All right, Paul. So first off. Before we go to all of these silly things, it's guess fresh the and wine. vibrant. Guess the wine. Yeah, I know. It's, fresh comes up a few times. It's fresh it? and vibrant. Well, three also, freshes and two vibrants. They only like, got twenty words there, and three of them are fresh and two of them are vibrant. I also like he's got it dense and light. Yes, yeah, that's that's pretty good. Well, and croquant means crisp, by the way. It's it just means so it could have been plenty of crisp fruit. It but, could actually croquant could actually mean sort of fresh and vibrant. It probably does. Uh, As, yeah. Yes. All right. So first off, is that a red or a white wine? I am guessing white for no real reason. Barbera. <laughs> okay, well, Barbera has acidity, so, you know, yes. fair enough. Yes, and it's got croquant fruit. <laughs> well, and it's fresh and vibrant. Uh, there you go, and it's, it is clearly dense and light. You're listening to Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul. We'll have some champagne-related moments in wine history when we come back, and we'll talk with Hank Beal, the wine buyer for Nugget Market Chain, and a man who's had a glass of bubbly or two in his time, too. Stay with us. You're listening to Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul. Ah, the trumpets. That means we're going back in time because one of the many reasons we love wines, it's connection to our history. So here's our historic history moment for the week. And since we are in the bubbly world, we have a couple of historic history moments. I think you should start, Rick. All right. Well, because my, you've got one with yeah. perhaps the most famous champenoise yeah, of all time. It is kind of the story of champenoise. It's the story of Dom Perignon. He is, he's doing fine. He's, is he? Yeah, he's, he's moving slow. I heard he died. Yeah, well, no, he's just moving slow. Um, this <laughs> goes back to this, the late 1600s. Yes. And you know, Dom is credited with saying, come quickly, I am drinking the stars. He, by the way, blind monk. Blind monk. And, well, he's and, actually a and, blind Benedictine monk, which now becomes a tongue twister. <laughs> How many times can you say I'm it just after four glasses of bubbly? That's true. Old Dom is credited with inventing champagne and that phrase, come quickly, I'm drinking the stars. But right. the truth of it is Dom's job was to get rid of the bubbles. The thing was, back then, they didn't really know why wine became wine. They knew how to do it, but they didn't know what happened. It was and magic. It was magic. And so basically what they did was when wine eat the yeast and start to create, among other things, alcohol, they would wait to the bubbling to finish, and then they'd figure the wine's done. It would age a little bit. They'd stick it in bottles. So in Champagne, which is really one of the coldest wine regions in Europe, it is. What would happen was the bubbles would stop because really it got it, too cold. It got too cold. The yeast went dormant. They took their long winter's nap. That's right. And they hibernated. <laughs> that's right. So they, they thought the wine was done. They'd put it in bottles. Come spring, things get warm. Little guys are hungry. Kaboom. There's sugar in a bottle. There you go. More bubbles. They didn't know what to do with it. And so Dom's job was to stop that. And he right. couldn't figure it out. What he did do, however, was a, a lot of things to refine the process. And it actually was one of the people who first used corks for, right. for sparkling wine, so right. for champagne. Without which it's hard to make champagne because, That's of course. That's true. But here's the, here's the way I heard tops. that story. The way I heard that story was that... They came to him and said, Dom Perignon, come quickly. The bottles are all exploding in the cellar. He's a blind monk. 
He goes into the cellar and finds a bottle that has not exploded, opens it up, and then says, I'm drinking the stars. I want to know how the blind monk found an unbroken bottle in a cellar full of exploding champagne bottles. Yeah, I thought you were going to say, Watson, come quickly. I yeah, need you. Exactly. But that's another, I need you. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a very good point, too. So what you're telling me is maybe these legends might not be true. Shocking, I know. I'm, Shocking. I'm, I'm stunned. All right, what about yours? Well, uh, speaking of exploding bottles, the uh, we talked earlier in the show, I think, about how the, the Russians, and particularly the Russian czars, were huge customers for the champagne houses. And the czar of Russia loved one particular wine very, very much. It was Roderer Cristal. Of course, he was an early rapper. Um, and the now czar, that, right? Now, yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah. And now, of course, all the big rappers drink Roderick Cristal, but in those days, it was just, just the Tsar of Russia. Yeah. Um, but he was terrified that somebody was going to blow him up by hiding a bomb in the bubbly he loved so much. And so he insisted that Roderer bottle the bubbly in clear bottles so that he could see if there were a bomb inside. So Dom Perignon was trying to keep bottles from exploding. So was the Tsar of Russia. There you go. Well, and you got to admit, the, the bomb inside the, the wine bottle would be a, uh, a nifty little trick. A bomb surprise. <laughs> yes, absolutely. A, a nifty little trick. That is our... Do you put it in the bottle? But Well, anyway, yeah, it's like the little pear in the... I've had some wine that bombed. That bombed. Yeah. That's but that was, uh, that yeah. was really bad. So we are getting out of this segment, and you are listening to Bottle Talk <laughs> with Rick and Paul. When we come back, Hank Beal from Nugget Markets in Northern California is going to help us choose some bubbly and tell us a little bit more about it. Excellent. We'll be right back. You're listening to Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul. One of the questions Paul and I get a lot this time of year boils down to, I don't know much about bubbly. What should I get for New Year's? So we're turning to one of our regular contributors, Hank Beal, a wine buyer for the Northern California company Nugget Market and a widely respected guy in the business. Well, or he would be, but like Paul, he's forfeited a lot of his cachet by being my friend. (laughs) Hank, thanks for coming in. Glad to be here. So we're going to ask a couple questions, but at this time of year, what do you see people buying? What sells a lot? As far as bubbly goes, yeah, yeah, it's it's really the most popular thing right now is prosecco. Prosecco, prosecco is on uh-huh. fire, uh-huh. You know, and it's wow. been, it's uh, there's such, a party in every bottle. It's such That's a great value. It's easy to drink. It's low yeah. alcohol, and it's it's a great way to get a party started. And, that's the hottest thing, I would say. And the value end, also kava. Kava is still really strong. Oh, interesting, because you know, we, we had a question earlier from a listener about good va- wine values, mm-hmm. not necessarily right. value wines. Right. But and we didn't mention sparkling wines in our answer. We did but not. Those are cannot, good but kavas are very good. You can't beat kava for value. I mean, yeah. You guys were talking about method champenois. That's actually made ch- method champenois. Right. And it's usually under $10. You can get a good one for under $10. It's amazing that they can do that. See, Rick, yeah. even you could buy this. I thing. could, I could afford I that. Yeah, I mean, that's surprising. <laughs> so I will bring it. Uh, Hank lives near near me, actually. So now I know if I'll bring it to his house. I can get away with just paying ten bucks for a bottle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know exactly how much you paid for it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know. I, that's problem. the problem. That's the problem. Right. Hanging around with guys like you, I can't fool anybody. No. <laughs> you know, I have to actually bring decent wine. So when people are looking for bubbly, because a lot of times they want something for a party or for a toast or whatever, but they really don't know what they're looking for or why. What kind of questions do your customers ask when they're looking for bubbly, and what do you tell them? Usually they're they're looking at a price point. Usually, yeah, you know, and if it's a special occasion like for a wedding or an anniversary. They're looking for something really nice. And, and then, do you have to ask them, or do they tell you right up front, I'm looking for something I don't want to spend Sometimes more. you have to get it out of them. You know? Yeah. So I'm looking for a bubbly. Well, what's the special occasion? Is it a gift? Is it, right. is it for a Tuesday night, or is it for your 50th wedding anniversary? You know? Exactly. So and I, are, are they afraid to mention the price? And people are in restaurants. Are they more likely to tell you the price? Not a, sometimes you just offer them 
a value and then a higher end. You see where they go. Yeah. You yep. know, and you can, you can pretty much tell quickly where the range is, mm-hmm. you know, just by their yeah. body language or their... But <laughs> right away, they pass out when you show <laughs> yes. them a bottle of Rotor Cristal. You don't go right to Cristal, you know, but it's, <laughs> you know, it's a wrapper with gold chains. No. I yeah. <laughs> well, and you, you also have a certain advantage where they kind of stop in front of, may even reach for a wine and ask when you're yeah, stooge about it's it. it's tricky because our champagnes are, you know, vertical, so they're... Five dollar ones on the bottom and seventy dollar ones on the top. So right, it's right. hard. You can kind of tell where they're looking sometimes. Do you have to convince? I mean, that's what we've been doing for most of this show already. Is trying to convince people to drink bubbly if they don't. I thought we were trying to convince people we're smart when we're not. <laughs> that's not going to happen. So you know, we, we, I think, drink bubbly. Don't worry about how dumb me and Paul. The more are, bubbly yeah. you drink, the smarter <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> there you go. It just seems like there, yeah. there's like two camps of people that love bubbles and people that shy away from them. Yeah. And some people only do it for special occasions, and like. My wife and I, we, we Prosecco like every day, you know. Mm-hmm. If we could. Well, that's actually one of the points we've been making, too. As you know, my wife is a bubbly girl. Oh, yeah. And we were, we've been telling... How well do you know his wife? Eh? <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> story. What, he's, seen, he's seen her put up with me. Let's just put it that way. And, we've shared some bubbly lists. That's yeah. right. There you go. And Cat Stevens, but we're not doing that. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, <laughs> the convincing people that, especially this time of year when there's so much on the food table where mm-hmm. bubbly goes well with. Do you guys try to tell people That's about that? That's the thing. I mean, sh- the bubbly does go with so many different things. It's like the ultimate food pairing wine. Right. right. It's almost like the default. It's almost like if a, yeah. if a psalm gets stumped, well, champagne. You know? Right. And it's, it's like, ironic right? because it's the one wine that people don't think of when they think, and I'm having food, what wine should I order with it? They yeah. never think of bubbly. What is more refreshing and palate cleansing? Yep. And bubbly. I mean, yeah. easy way to think of it is stop thinking about bubbly in terms of wine. Start thinking about it in terms of beer. Yes. And all of a sudden, it seems to go with all this stuff that had never occurred to you beforehand. That's a great way to look at it. Is the champagne of bottled champagne that's, that's <laughs> that's <right>. something? <laughs> it's the beer of bottled wine. <laughs> so I have to think that you must sell um, the vast majority of your bubbly at this time of year. Do you, do you yeah, sell much? It is, it is a large percentage, especially between Christmas and New Year's. Yeah, that's that's a huge percentage. But even for Thanksgiving, we get an uptick, and then Christmas we get an uptick, and then of course New Year's is like the day. Is, is it more than fifty percent of your bubbly sales? I've never broken it down, but I don't think it's that much. But I bet it could be a third wow. in the month yeah. of December. Yes. Yeah. I'll bet people who make bubbly treat you really well about middle of September going onwards. Oh, we usually made our buying decisions. Yeah, about that time, about September. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, wow. you know, I, I was going to say a little bit earlier, too. I thought, like, by summer they're working on Christmas, aren't they? Not, not for us, no. Yeah. For okay. the bigger change, probably, but we're still a little more flexible. We can make holiday decisions in September still. Yeah. So what else sells this time of year? What other wines do pe- are people looking more besides I mean, bubbly? this is the time of year when everything sells, right? I mean, Thanksgiving's the biggest wine holiday of the, of the year. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. it's a, wine's for the table, wine's for entertaining. Yeah. Um, but it's, I mean, if you yeah. want to break it down, Chardonnay's always the number one seller. Yeah. I mean, right. a third or... More of all the wine we sell is Chardonnay. Yep. So that's a huge part of it. Um, and then higher-end Cabernets for gift wines sell yep. better. Just big reds sure. in general. Well, well that was actually because we've, you know, we've been talking about what wines do you give people for Christmas or for Christmas gifts mm-hmm. or, or holiday gifts um, and that sort of thing. So, so what are the kinds of wines that you would suggest sometimes that make good gift wines? I like to suggest nice value red wines between like $20 and $30 that, that aren't widely distributed. Mm-hmm. So you, you don't want to bring somebody that, a really widely distributed wine that's at Costco in every place. And right. And something that they can just pick up anywhere. Right. It makes it look like you put more thought into it if you get a special wine or yep. a, a smaller producer, yep. you know, lower production, boutique kind of wine. When my wife and I got married back before Rick was born, uh, one of her 
dad's friends gave us a mixed case of 12 different wines, and every single one of them fit that description. That's there so was something cool. yeah. we had, and it was an absolute adventure for yeah. us for 12 different nights. And if, if they're really adventurous, I wouldn't limit it to California wines either. There's no, no, so these, many yeah. interesting and value imported wines that you know could be fun to, to turn somebody on to. Yep, that time of year. But there's another thing coming to us because this is we're talking New Year's. We're talking, you know, we're going to the New Year. You know, making resolutions. What wine resolutions would you tell your customers to make to take better advantage of what's out there? Main one would be to be adventurous, try different things, mm-hmm. get, get mm-hmm. off of your, you know, your the, the varietal you drink the most of. And there's so many things out there. And even I've tasted, you know, hundreds of varietals probably, and I still think there's probably a varietal out there that's my favorite I haven't tried yet. Right. Sure, <laughs> so right. sure. There's always yeah, that one. Absolutely. I know it's out there. I just haven't tried it yet, you know. Yep. But yep. That would be the main thing, you know, just. Well, as I say, I married one woman for the rest of my life. Why not explore as many different wines as you possibly can? <laughs> yeah. You know, I, what the heck? You don't I, have to be married to the same wine. Yeah. I'm, I'm, <laughs> that's I'm, right. Rick and I have a really good friend who is married to a certain yes, you know, varietal it's true. for sure. It's true. And we a always style. encourage her. But, and that's okay, too. I mean, if she's. Fixed yeah. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with well, that. And, and, and we say that. We, we talk about that a lot. You know, if you love it, you're right. If you hate it, you're right. If right. You, you find a wine, you're like, but here's the thing about wine. And I'm sure you see this in your business because you must sell a lot of wine to people like our friend who comes back regularly mm-hmm. to buy the same wine. Mm-hmm. Um, but here's our advice, which is that so if you miss it once, it's not like it's going to go away. So, you know, if you if it's that big, rich shard that you like and you try something different, you can always go back and get another bottle of that big, rich shard. Right. Yeah, it's not going to go away. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you have, you're not going to suddenly stop carrying but it. But I think they don't want to risk the the money spent or the time spent. If they don't like it, it's like, oh, I could have had my regular, you know. Okay, <laughs> right. so, so here's our crazy question. We should ask this of every guest we've got, by the way, Rick. So here's our crazy question. You are invited to host a dinner for somebody really important like, oh, the president or the Queen of England or somebody, and you are asked to bring one bottle of wine that you think will be interesting to them. What is your go-to get a load of this wine? You know, I I think I'd look into their background and try to get a little sense of... No, no, no. You you can't know anything about them. Oh, you know, I don't... You you just have to pull something out of your store that says, okay, this is my go-to wine. When I've got to give a bottle to somebody and I don't know anything about them, It might change from week to week, but... Of course. Oh, that's a, that's a tough one because my my See? favorite my favorite thing is Pinot Noir. So I would probably okay. try to find the most interesting Pinot Noir that I've had recently. You know, whether it's California, Oregon, or or yep. French or whatever. But, well, and it, because it's a question we had earlier, which is, what do you give? What, you know, what kind of a wine makes a good gift? And right? it's so hard when you don't know the person. Yeah, you, yeah. if you do know the person, if you can hook into something like where they were from, if you knew they were from yes. Oregon, or if you knew they were from the foothills, or you know, Tennessee. <laughs> They're from Tennessee. There you go. Well, Tennessee, that's tough. That, that, that you, give them, you give them a clear, this stuff comes <laughs> What's their a name? Jug, a Maybe jar. I could hook into a wine that's named like. There you there go. You go. Exactly. If it's Michelle, I'll go to Chateau St. Michelle. Or if it's. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. And I'm going to argue, since we were, this is the topic of this show, anyway, I'm going to argue uh, interesting bubbly. Bubbly. Uh, but, oh, you know, but, but also bubbly with a story. And I have to uh-huh. say, there's, there's one that I always sort of recommend because of its story, which is the yep. Schramsberg Blanc de Blanc. Not oh, a sure. super pricey yeah. wine, but it was the wine that Nixon took to Cho and Lie, right. and it was it's been in you know served by every White House for one you know since served then. at my daughter's wedding yeah and yes. so it's a it's a wine that you could say you know this is you can make some Nixon crossing going Great Wall of China joke and it's or, an iconic know. California sparkling it's it not is. a French company that yeah. came in and you know made like 
some of the other ones that have come into yep. the, the state and made yep. made wine, make yep. great wine, but it's still more of a you know an American story. Yes, and yep. I bring that up just in case anybody wants to get me a bottle of wine because I really really like it. <laughs> Hank Bielis, he is the wine buyer for Nugget Market and runs one of the best supermarket wine departments in California, and he's a regular contributor on Bottle Talk. So there goes his credibility. Yeah, thanks, <laughs> thanks. Thanks, thanks, Hank. Thanks, thank you guys. Thanks for coming. <laughs> coming up, we have a food and wine pairing for you. And remember, if you'd like to ask a question about wine. Or anything, but we can only answer questions about wine, and sometimes only that, or get a, take a shot. Go to rickandpaulwine.com. We will be right back. You're listening to Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul. You might have some clue about where our food and wine pairing is going today since we've been talking about sparkling wine the whole time. Hey, let's talk about sparkling wine. Well, so we're going to do a different direction, actually, since we've already picked the wine. So let's pick the food. So with sparkling wines, one of your favorites, what would be one of your favorite food pairings? Well, as I was saying to Hank when he was in here, one of the things that works great about bubbly is that you can serve it with anything that you drink beer with. So I think actually bubbly goes well with everything from a hamburger, as long as it doesn't have too much sweet ketchup in it, to Hispanic food, to Asian food. But here is my all-time favorite, which is a quiet evening. That's my wife food. at my side. Well, okay. A nice mystery on the television or a video, and a bottle of really nice bubbles and truffled popcorn. Very nice. And I like that because I actually use that pairing a lot for events. Oh, I, I think that's great. Yep. And it's, well, yours is somewhat more romantic than, than mine. But this is something that I learned in the region of Franciacorta where we were sure. talking about not so long ago. And I have to tell you, man, this is a great pairing, which is risotto. Yep. A creamy risotto, especially a creamy risotto made with a little bit of cheese involved there and uh-huh, sparkling uh-huh. wine because yep. it cuts through the creaminess and it makes, you know, because sometimes with risotto that you kind of get worn out by that, the richness. Yes. And the sparkling wine refreshes you every time. And I'm getting yep. hungry just talking about it. Yeah. So, uh, but it let's is. Let's go get some food. Yeah, let's go get some risotto. Yeah, I like that. All right, that is it for another round of Bottle Talk. We hope your New Year's is wonderful. This is Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul. Our engineer is Matt Pacini. Thanks, thanks, Matt. Thanks to Capital Public Radio for the studio use. If you'd like to ask us a question that we can try to answer on the show, go to rickandpaulwine.com, all one word, Rick and Paul Wine. Well, always be nice, we promise. And if you learned anything today, we hope it's bubbles make everything better. I'm Rick Cushman. And I'm Paul Wagner. And remember, the best wines you drink are with friends. Or us. Especially with us. (laughs) 